tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello, good afternoon. Welcome to Join Us Today. We're coming to you live from our studios in Kokomlimli. We're on DTT because we're free to wear on DSTV channel 421 and Go TV channel 125. We are a home of independent, fearless, and credible journalism. Coming up this afternoon, 10, year, uh, 10 days old baby dies in a suspected case of medical negligence at KNUST Hospital. Uh, following uh, the parents taking him for some circumcision. Also, Supreme Court unanimously dismisses cases asking that it stops Parliament from proceeding with its consideration of the anti-gay bill. We have details for you. Plus, Majority Chief Whip defends the absence of his colleagues insisting not all MPs have to be on the floor unless for ceremonial events. We have details as he explains uh, why many of his NPP colleagues are on official duties and some on medical leave. Also, disturbing revelations, late presentation and misdiagnosis contributing to 20% survival rate of children with cancer treated at Kolebu Teaching Hospital. There's more as experts warn against the use of herbal medicine for treatment as it exposes children to complications. We're also live on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Journeys on TV. My personal handle is Adanana Aisha. Please stay for details. Sunday old baby has died at the KNUSC hospital in Kumasi in a suspected case of medical negligence. The baby was sent to the facility for a male circumcision procedure, but the hospital sources say he suffered cardiac arrest and died a few minutes later while in the care of the medical team. Mohim Interia has more. On April 3, 2023, Mohammed Jamal and Halima to Adams took their son, Faraj Mohammed, to the KNUST hospital for a simple procedure, male circumcision. The baby was received by a nurse who took him to the theater for the procedure. <laughs> The wild cry of the baby was heard for the last time by the parents who were then seated at the waiting area of the theater. 
Then, some senior nurses and doctors were seen rushing into the theater, a development which made the parents distraught. The baby's mother, Halima to Adams, knew something bad had happened to the baby, but had to endure a long wait to hear news about her son. The thought of losing their only male child under bizarre circumstances has left the couple traumatized. The feeling or the pain that you go through, unless you experience it, because it's something you cannot even express it. What you go through, the psychological pains, the trauma that you go through any night, what, when you hear the cry of the child, the pains, and the, even you, you can't do anything, you can't focus. Authorities at the KNUST hospital have declined comments on the mother. The university relations officer says the matter has been referred to the legal department of the university. But a patient-centered non-governmental group is leading a campaign to bring justice to the Jamals. The Advocacy for Medical Malpractice Victims says it can establish a prima facie case against KNUST Hospital. Kwame Brobe Apia is the Executive Secretary. From all indications, the hospital was negligent in the conduct of the circumcision. So we believe strongly that we will be able to establish a prima facie case against the hospital. And the little checks that we have made with the hospital, uh, the indications are that one, the person that uh, supposedly conducted the procedure was not an expert in that field, and the person was unqualified to take up that particular exercise. Then again, we are also told that they actually did not procure the informed consent of the patient, uh, the parent, sorry, because it's important to let them know the risk associated with the procedure and then any other outcome that they are likely to have before the process is done. That wasn't done. Also, we are from the investigations we have done, we know for a fact that they actually did not take the history of the baby before proceeding to I mean, undertake the procedure. If that had been done, I am sure a lot of these issues would have been averted. Checks at the Health Ministry indicate medical legal cases are on the rise in the country. In recent times, at least, Two medical legal cases are received every week, a development which has left Health Minister Kwekwajimaimen worried. What I'm seeing of late in the ministry are issues of litigation. For the past four weeks or so, almost every week, we get at least one letter from the Attorney General's office. Somebody has sued, somebody went problems with care, service delivery, and they want us to come with information for them to go to court with. Then we'll refer to Director General, Paul Kumabwaji. But I've been with you for the past six years. Earlier when I came in, those things were not happening that much. But now it's become something, it's just climbing, it's becoming very common. From Kumasi, for Joy News, I'm Nateria reporting. 
Pediatric surgeon Dr. Nimako Boateng has joined us uh, for a conversation on this. Doc, I'm grateful for your time. What usually is the procedure in circumcision? Yes, um, good morning. Very good afternoon. And, and yes, I, if I have to speak to that, um, usually the procedure for circumcision is that the baby is born and the parents want the circumcision done. And they usually look for the outlet or the place that the circumcision can be done. So they, they just choose whether they will go to the exam or come to the hospital to be circumcised. Now, I know that most hospitals have set up a group of people who do the circumcision. It can be nurses, it can be doctors, or other uh, staff that do that. In the normal circumstance of nutrition, as we have currently, if I heard from the story, there are not patients that usually are admitted and therefore uh, uh, have the history taking and consent of. Um, the patients that have been and then decided in the team that they are going to have the treatment done and then they go ahead and then book them for the treatment. Usually, they will come in the morning and then the team that conduct the circumcision in particular hospitals go ahead and do it. Looking at these things and the cause of issues like that, we tend to now look at the expectation of the public and the incidents that come in relation to that for us now has changed the way we practice these things. And I'll speak to it in the fact that if currently we have seen these things happen and that patients might have other things that need to be taken care of in a current dispensation, then in fact, patients now have now have the protocol that say that administration administration for. But in most practices elsewhere, you always have to get a consent form from the parents before the decision is done. By looking at the history of the decision and coming from the one down and later on making sure that it goes on in the hospital. It is a matter of family members saying yeah, the, the family bringing the patient to circumcision to that. But I think I can say that from this experience going forward, and my have to go further for for us to be able to make sure that the very process of conducting procedure on the client is accepted. Doc, we're told in this instant case that the mother was not there. In fact. Both parents were not there whilst the circumcision was being done. Is that the, is that usually the practice? So it usually depends on the family and their willingness to come to the uh, public scene. In our experience, usually we get the, the, the mothers or the mother and the uh, grandmother to come to the public scene. Now, that is dependent on whether there's an available scene for that purpose. I mean, sometimes you see in the news that people can on the TV uh, program that people can have uh, opportunity to look at procedures being done on their community. We, in current section of the hospital in Ghana, we haven't set up for people to easily look at what is being done in the operating. So we don't have a viewing area for them now. It depends on the food core in the hospital that you can get anybody to come in there. But mostly it's like an operation. When the procedure is being done, the relatives are waiting to go in. For, uh, after, before, after the procedure, before they have speak on what happened. So it is not something that we see the uh, family members are allowed, but it is easily for the physician uh, 
are usually become more of uh, something that we do the extensive preparation of facility. We are often allowed into the uh, the procedure for that purpose. Well, when we're growing up, Doc, we, we know that there are experienced people like the Wanzams who normally do this for the kids. And as you put it, the hospitals now setting up outfits uh, where people are trained to do this. Are there usually complications that can lead to deaths? I mean, have you had cases like that in the past? Yeah. Yes, so complications had complications. The complications have led to death. Most of the death-related complications have to do with bleeding, and the bleeding is because the bleeding is because of the issue that is related to uh, the bleeding problem related to some of the patients. Uh, some patients will have bleeding tendencies or uh, coagulation problems. You wouldn't know those things at that time. But some of the things that you know is how late the bleeding on the pulse and things like that, or in the dog tricks, we tell you that the child is bleeding so much. So the bleeding at that age usually don't have history on the, the patient's state in terms of how they are able to stop their bleeding from, from, or from uh, continuing. So yes, you see people die from the bleeding, but the bleeding for circumcision can be so continuous that can, at some point it can be difficult to stop. Because the blood vessels that are on the skin or the pain it will attract, that means it pulls away when it cuts. And therefore, sometimes it's difficult to trace it all the way back to where it has grown to. So, if the thing is done, then you don't stop the bleeding at the same time, then it starts bleeding. It can go on for a while. And that's the only one we know of. Because essentially, we barely see any kind of anesthesia uh, for these patients. Usually, the further the the we go is to do a penal block, which is like giving some kind of local anesthesia so that they can stop the pain and then can conduct the procedure. In, so, in, in this instant case, Doc, uh, the hospital is citing uh, cardiac arrest as the cause of the child's death. Is there a correlation between cardiac arrest and uh, circumcision and cardiac arrest? Not, not, not so far as we know as common uh, complications of circumcision. Now that's what I'm saying that depends on whether they give general anesthesia or local anesthesia. And then the local anesthesia, whether that local anesthesia went into a blood vessel and therefore we are delivering an anesthetic agent into a blood vessel. We wouldn't know what actually went on. They would need the postmortem to assess what actually happened. But then those kind of complications can occur in any procedure in surgery. So we will say in surgery that there's no small procedure in surgery. Anything can happen. Now, if it is local anesthesia, then we need to wait and see whether the, the thing that is went straight to the blood vessel. And I have to know that the patient has a lot of blood vessels around it, and you need to identify where they are before we start infiltrating these things. There are guidelines to prevent us from going in there. But then if you give children a seizure for that, then that one has other complications that you cannot foresee. And that one needs the intensive to give you more information on that. Dr. Nimako, I'm grateful for your time. Let's stay a bit longer on this story and speak with Kwame Burbe Apia. He's Executive Secretary of Advocacy for Medical Malpractice Victims. And he's joined us now. I'm, I'm grateful for your time, Dr. Burbe. You, you've taken up this incident. I mean, what's informing your suspicion of a possible medical negligence? Well, 
Thank you. Um, our suspicion is born out of the fact that um, when we had a narrative from the, page, the parents, we decided to embark on a little investigation around the story. And as an organization that is patient-centered and interested in patient safety, uh, we did our own probing. And we realized that something has actually gone on toward so far as what happened is concerned. So what kind of relief does the organization provide for victims or families? And in, in this case, what are you looking out for? Well, so our primary objective is to assess justice for um, patients who have encountered various instances of medical malpractice. So uh, normally what we do is to engage the facilities involved to try to see if we can have a solution to the problem at hand. And if that fails, we proceed to court to seek justice on behalf of the victim. So that is what we are trying to do in this particular instance. So that's how far you will push for justice? You want to go to court? That is what we intend to do because we have already had prior engagements with the university. And I think we were not able to come to any logical conclusion on the matter. So as it stands now, that will be an alternative for us. And when are you doing that? Pretty soon. You have a date? I can assure you by close of tomorrow, we would have issued uh, send them with a rate. All the best. Uh, Mr. Kwame, uh, Dr. Kwame Brobia, PI's Executive Secretary Advocacy for Medical Malpractice Victims, and they say they're taking up this case to look for justice for the family. Let's come back to Accra because the Court of Appeal has, in a unanimous decision, ruled that alleged prejudicial comments made by President Ekofoandro did not influence the decision of the High Court to hear the James Jachukwesen trial on a day-to-day basis. The court has a result giving the green light for this mode of trial to continue. The legislator has in the last few weeks set in motion multiple legal processes all in a bit to halt this court shadow. The High Court yesterday opted to proceed with the case despite a pending process at the Court of Appeal on the same matter. Well, the Court of Appeal has ruled that the judge acted within the law. Legal Affairs Correspondent Joseph Akable joins us with more. Joe, first, tell us about the legal arguments advanced by both sides. As well, as far as the lawyers for Mr. Question are concerned, and they made a point that some comments have been made by some individuals, specific reference was made to President Akutuado, also the Attorney General himself, and other ministers of state. And they say that those comments point to the fact that it is the desire of these individuals that gives that situation in jail. And it is in presence of those comments that they believe the court opted to have a hearing on a day to day basis. So at the end, the court that the trial be put on hold because they believe that the court appeal will eventually come to the conclusion that a judge got it wrong. The attorney general disagreed strongly and made a point that the issue that was before the high court was to decide how to regulate this proceeding. And that the comments that have been allegedly made by various individuals did not play any part in the court deciding how to regulate this proceedings. And the law allows the court to decide how to regulate this proceedings. And so uh, here the court disagreed with that particular argument that has been made. And the court you upheld the argument and concluded that the judge acted within law when she opted to fix the hearing on a day to day basis. And that those comments did not influence the court in its decision in that regard. Let's talk about the ruling of the court today. And so on the point about the fact that uh, the outcome in terms of what was decided at the lower court, the high court, was consistent with stated principles of law. Reference was made to 
a number of cases, including the Republic versus uh, Bakubani case, and also uh, practice directives have been issued by the Chief Justice to make the point that all these allow for a court to regulate its proceedings and ensure that the case is heard within a reasonable time. And so this is consistent with those particular directives. And so day-to-day -day hearing, the court of appeals is not unusual in Ghana's legal system. What, what have Mr. Question's lawyers been saying? I'm quite unhappy about this development. Um, Director of Legal at the NDC, Abraham Maliban, makes the point that they are extremely disappointed, but nonetheless, there's another leg of the matter that is at the Supreme Court which they intend to forcefully pursue as well, and they know that eventually uh, they'll get things in their way as they want it. Joseph, I'll have you hold because a nine-member Supreme Court panel today also presided over by the Chief, uh, by the Chief Justice Getro Tokono has dismissed a request that it holds Parliament's consideration of the anti-gay bill. The court says it has not been convinced to issue such an order at this stage since the matters raised will be dealt with in the substantive case. This is the court's decision in the case filed by researcher Dr. Amanda Odoi, who is a Legend Parliament's work on the proposed law is in breach of the Constitution. Dr. Odoi's legal team additionally withdrew the case of contempt filed against the Speaker of Parliament. And uh, Joseph, uh, let's talk about the arguments uh, that ensued. Uh, I mean, why the court was convinced. And so, in terms of the issues that were raised, uh, Dr. Mandoli, the major concern is that the anti LGBT bill. Uh, it's a private member bill, and that the Constitution provides that uh, such a bill which imposes financial obligations on the consolidated funds should not be used by a private member. So that is the main concern they have, and they say that uh, if the court allows Parliament to go ahead to consider and pass the bill, it will mean that the bill will come to law, come to defect, and money is spent by the state to provide health care to such persons. And how do we refund the money? if the money has already been spent. And so they think that it's in the interest of justice that at this stage, when the consideration is put on hold before it is dealt with. But, I mean, lawyers for the Speaker of Parliament, represented by Savio Kerry, pointed out that the Speaker has not acted outside the remit of the Constitution, and that Parliament as an institution has the mandate to undertake consideration of laws and pass them appropriately. And so he does not say an injunction is appropriate. Uh, the Attorney General's Office Represented by a chief attorney, also backed this view and insisted that the Speaker of Parliament ought not be injuncted in proceeding with the case. Uh, the court concluded that uh, it has not been convinced to injunct Parliament at this stage, and especially because the matters that have been raised are of a contentious nature, which will be dealt with once the court considers the substantive case. And so it dismissed the application for injunction. Answer. Joseph Akable is our legal affairs correspondent. Certainly there's more we'll be bringing your way in our subsequent bulletins. Let's head to Parliament because Majority Chief Whip Frank Anodompe is offending the continuous absence of some of his NPP colleagues from sittings. Despite the NDC minority's boycotts of the House, the NPP side have not been able to marshal all its numbers to be able to do business leaving the House handicapped. According to Frank Anodompe, there's no Parliament in the world where all MPs come to the floor at a time. And other jurisdictions that we are seeking to emulate. You don't see all the members of parliament in the chamber at a point T. I don't know if you can cite an instance where you, unless maybe there are ceremonial occasions that you find a full house. 
I am proud to say, and I'll say this on behalf of our majority, all the things we want to pass, we've passed them. And we cannot make decisions without our numbers. Important decisions cannot be made without our numbers. Anytime we want to pass stuff, we've got them passed. And we've got our numbers, mashal. So that one, you have to understand. Besides the point, there, there are ministers who are also members of parliament. And we have to be practical here. Sometimes somebody is traveled out of jurisdiction. There's nothing you can do about it. And if I pick my data now and look at leave of absence uh, that I have, I have a lot, many more members who are on leave of absence, some on medical grounds, some on official duties. So that one never arises. Your side is empty. You are saying that you are boycotting parliament. The substance of my case here is that you said, nobody told you to say that. Out of your own volition, Tufosin said, we are going to boycott parliament. Is committee meetings not part of parliament? Is it not? It is. Yes, it is. So who are you deceiving? Tufosin should come clear on this matter. I think that they should bury their head down in shame. The is a very unpopular decision by the leadership. I know the aside is divided about it. Yes, they are divided about it. So if you want to boycott parliament, boycott parliament in its entirety. Don't pick and choose. Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Kweku Asante has joined us with more. Kweku, how was Parliament different today in terms of numbers and representation from the minority? Uh, we know today the Dutch equation case was had. Well, Aisha, now today the, the proceedings in Parliament is a bit different because that's why the minority threatened to boycott Parliament every time there was a sitting of the court regarding Dutch equation case. They are in Parliament today. The leadership led by Dr. Kisela Tupo-Sin, Pamela Guja, all on the floor, we can confirm now that the minority have revised their stance to boycott sitting every time the situation is in court. In fact, they put out a statement signed by the, the chief whip. They say that they are going to escalate their process of the, the, the prosecution of that situation, although they are not specifically giving details of what exactly they are going to do. They've, they've set it out that it appears they are going to come to Parliament despite the court cases going on, but they are going to frustrate government business. For the fact, they have raised issues of quorum. As soon as Parliament started taking the minority, led by Parliament State Assembly, for raised issues of quorum and said that the House did not have the numbers to be able to proceed to do business. And because of that, the House will seek an adjournment. The Speaker has received the invitation because of the standing orders. We need to wait for 10 minutes. The bell will have to be rung, and after some time, House will have to decide whether there is quorum or not. The Speaker of Parliament says it is, up, it is left with another five minutes before he can make that determination. If in the next five minutes there are not up to 92 MPs on the floor, the ordinary quorum to do business, the House will be forced to take an adjournment. So this appears to be the new strategy adopted by the minority, that now they will come to the floor of the House, but they will do all they can to frustrate government business by mainly raising issues of quorum and asking the House to adjourn. We've also heard from the minority chief who has also been firing back at the majority over the last few days that they've been boycotting parliament, the majority of have raised issues about a, a sabotage by the minority. They say that their, their absence is not what is leaving parliament handicapped, and that if the majority side are minded to do business, they have wanted to eight MPs, they can bring all of them on the floor and do business. It does not lie in their mouth to put the blame on the minority for the lack of action on the floor. 
Gwekwasante is our man in parliament. Let's move on um, from parliament and to other stories. There's an increase in the demand for an urgent government intervention to provide holistic care for the mentally ill. Attempts by non-governmental organizations to complement government efforts have been overstretched due to the immense need for human and financial resources. Reducing stigma, ensuring access to quality mental health care in Ghana remain a mission yet to be accomplished. Hano Dami has been exploring the case of mental health care in this feature titled Minds on the Street. Sometimes I feel very bad because some are very young and some are very old too and some too they are not clothing well so sometimes you you feel bad about it it is not only about how they feel but the pain they can also inflict on anyone they come by in august 2022 a mentally challenged woman hit a man with stones at this particular spot. For those who stay and live around, it was a moment of reawakening. For how long are they going to tolerate or look over their shoulders when they see a mentally challenged person in their vicinity? That torturous incident lingers on on the minds of many who heard it, but most especially on the minds of those who witnessed that horrific act. The thought of being attacked, abused, or beaten by a mentally challenged person is an act no one would want to experience. It's quite frustrating of late. Um, I do meet them. Sometimes they come towards you whilst you are working, and um, you are a little scared, especially during the night, and you feel you should run away. And when you try to, they try to follow you. It is something which is really, you know, uncomfortable. And I feel the government should, in a way, try to put them together in one place. You know, some are very threats to life. That intervention to get them off the streets was announced on March 2022 by the then medical director of the Accra Psychiatric Hospital, Dr. Pinaman Apau. She revealed the redevelopment of the facility into a 220-bed hospital was under government's Agenda 111 program and was part of many other projects, including the construction of 101 district hospitals, six regional hospitals, and two psychiatric hospitals. Experts are warning against the use of herbal medicine for the treatment of childhood cancers. It exposes children to more delicate diseases. It has been revealed that children with reported cases of cancer at the Kolibu Teaching Hospital currently have only 20% of survival rate. The situation has been attributed to misdiagnosis, late presentation, and abandonment of medication by parents due to high costs of treatment. Currently, global estimates peg 
the number of children with cancer in Ghana to over 1,000 a year. But Dr. Francesca Boateng, who is with the Department of Child Health at Kolibu and a member of the Ghana Medical Association, says the number has been underestimated because some of the children are dying undiagnosed. She spoke on the Super Morning Show. Because of the late presentation, say about 20%. Wow. Yeah. Currently, only about 20% of the children who come into the hospital system survive it. Yes. And we heard a rather disturbing figure that there are about two, you're getting about 250 cases. 180, 180, 180 on the average a, a, year. Year. a year. But mind you, they're about, based on the global estimates, there are about 1,200 children under 15 who have cancer a year. So if In we're Ghana. Seeing, yes. In Ghana. So if we're seeing about 180 and say Confuanochi is seen close to that, that is less than half mm-hmm. the mm. cases that actually have cancer. Mm. And obviously we are underestimating the people that have cancer. Right. So... 20% of those that actually come for healthcare are surviving. So you can imagine, I mean, if you're talking about countrywide, maybe if you have to do the right extrapolation, you're seeing about 10%, 5 because mm-hmm. some of them are dying undiagnosed. Yeah. So That's crazy. And what are the common cases today? So on our ward, we'll say most of them are leukemias. Leukemias and then the lymphomas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this low survival rate is... Completely down to late detection or late reporting. Late presentation. Late presentation. So late presentation. Misdiagnosis. Misdiagnosis, yes. And then also abandonment of treatment. treatment. So we actually have parents who start on treatment Mm -hmm. and then disappear. Why? Is it the 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 financial? Yes, the cost. The medications are quite costly. The investigations involved are quite expensive. And then the mentality. Mm -hmm. So Mm. this country is plagued with. People thinking that the herbal preparation, so you have a lump, for instance, and you hear people talking about herbal medication to melt the Mm -hmm. lump. So they are hearing things from other people, the people at home. They trust them more because somebody will come and say, oh, my child had a lump here. You know, I applied this herbal preparation, it went. And I mean, obviously, they'll take that over, having to stay in the hospital for long periods. Mm -hmm. They are scared of the chemotherapy drugs. So what they don't know, I would say, kills them because they think that other forms of treatment are better or will work. So however, warned parents to desist using herbal medicine to treat children with cancer as it exposes them more to other delicate diseases. If you're drinking a herbal concoction, it's going into your stomach. It's coming out of your alimentary canal. So from mouth to anus, excuse my language, I mean... No, yes. it's proper language. <laughs> so essentially anus. that, yes. Mm-hmm. And... So something that goes through your alimentary canal cannot reach a cancerous cell that's probably in your hand, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, typically, because the anti-cancer medications are mostly intravenous. So mm-hmm. they go through the, vein, the venous system, the blood, mm-hmm. and then reaches the other points mm-hmm. in the body. So if someone is drinking a herbal preparation, it's unlikely that it will go and touch the cancerous cell there. Secondly, we don't know what these herbal preparations are made of. Most of them are causing kidney failure. They're causing liver failure. So they're only going to cause more harm than good. Mm -hmm. So basically, I mean, if you hear things like this, you need to ask yourself, is it something that makes sense? 
And coming up in business, uh, there are calls for government to devise ways of diversifying revenue in the country. More in business with Daryl Kwa. You will enjoy free life insurance, oh. free debit card, save while you spend, and an amazing chance to double your salary. A whole seven, oh. and even more consolation rewards in the EcoBank Double Salary Promo Reloaded. Vimwo, this EcoBank Salary Account sounds interesting. Oh. What do you think? Uh, 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 but maybe next time, Charlie. You know what? I do go shine my shoe. Hey. Yo, myself, I do go check my BP. Open an Ecobank salary account today for a lifetime of benefits. You also stand a chance to win more than double your salary in the Ecobank Double Salary Promo Reloaded from now till July 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Daddy, Daddy, this tank is big! Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working satisfaction. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S I N T E S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil. That's not true. But why? Yay! Syntax <laughs> was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntax again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntax gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntax is the answer. Syntax tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Hi, good afternoon. Welcome to Business. My name is Daryl Kwao. Partner Deloitte Ghana Yaolate has urged government to devise ways of diversifying revenue sources to aid the economy. Speaking on Joy Business's P-Media Budget uh, Forum, he also called on managers of the economy to address a mountain public debt which is taking the country to the IMF. What we haven't dealt with, and obviously uh, uh, answering your question to uh, leadership of government, it's uh, the factors that took us to the IMF and that has historically taken us to the IMF, which I would outline. Uh, first one is our low revenue base and lack of um, diversified source of revenue. So our revenue base has significantly been uh, skewed towards taxation. And I hear all the complaints by industry associations. And so we've always worked on taxation. And you realize that in the last two uh, budgets that was presented, uh, you were expecting to break in about 100 
billion Ghana cities. 77 billion of that was supposed to come from taxes. So 77% of your tax was supposed to finance your total expenditure for the year. That was, in my view, um, very high risk that you're taking because you have not diversified your revenue source. So our inability to diversify our revenue source, not only with the current government, but even for successive government, it's one of the challenges that we are facing today. And if you don't tackle that problem head on, you will continue to have issues. The second issue has been our public debts. So we have uh, increased our public debts uh, significantly in the last um, few years, um, mainly on account of uh, a number of factors. Some of them are systemic. So I will say, for example, the exchange rates. As you look at currency depreciated, your external debt increase. So our external debt has increased roughly by 100 billion in the last three years because our local currency has depreciated. And you can see that that reflected. But there are some issues that I would say it's within the control of government, which obviously um, created or resulted in that. I would say of the first one, it's where um, there were three issues. So one is the energy sector issue. So we've had issues in the energy sector. We have to address that. And you mean the IPPs? Yes, so the IPPs, so the, um, the independent power producers. The second has been uh, our issue with the financial sector. So we try to do the financial sector bailout, uh, financial sector reforms. That also created another debt bed of about $25 billion. All right, in other news, the Office of the Register of Companies will soon roll out a software to assist and provide services to individuals with low literacy levels. The digital platform will also ease accessibility and patronage of services of the ORC. This was revealed at the inauguration of the ORC office complex in Kumase. Here's more. The three-story building of the Office of the Registrar of Companies in Kumasi is to get closer to the business community and improve the quality of services provided to clients in the northern sector of Ghana. It cost 8 million Ghana cities and was financed using internally generated funds from the Registrar General's Department and the Office of the Registrar of Companies. The ORC is responsible for registering, managing, and regulating commercial enterprises. Registrar General Jemima Mama Owari says failure to digitize systems and processes at the office would be costly for the country. She says the digital operation will help phase out the activities of middlemen in transactions and access to services. We acknowledge the fact though, that we are in a digital era, and there are still some people in our society who unfortunately have not been exposed to this. This office will therefore have a specialized division to assist clients who generally have no knowledge in IT and require aid. But let me make a point here. It's not going to be that forever and ever you'll be coming here to get help. We'll help you once, and then you go and try and use the system yourself. So we cut out the continuous flow of human traffic to this place. With the assistance of the World Bank, this new software that I'm talking about will replace the current one, which is giving us lots of challenges currently. It's being going to be migrated onto the G-Cloud before the end of August, and I believe our services will improve considerably. 
Ashanti Regional Head of ORC, Naname Cha Prempe, says the inception of the ORC in 2019 has seen an increase in business and company registration in the region. The digitalization process has helped because the turnaround time is quicker. It used to take about three months for you to get a name because we had to thumb through manual manuscripts to be able to determine whether this one has registered or not. But right now, at the touch of a button, you're able to determine whether this, this name is on a system or not. So it takes a shorter time for us to process documents. The Attorney General and Minister of Justice, Godfred Yabwa Dame, wants permanent offices of the ORC to be established in all regions. I've stated before, that effectively harnessed the observation of companies possesses the ability to be a formidable organ for the state in the area of good governance and the fight against corruption. In this regard, it is an absolute imperative for the ORC to have permanent offices around the country. The ORC needs to be firmly established in every region and district of Ghana. The Kumasi office of the ORC thus ought not to be the, least, the last of the expansion drive of the ORC. I assure you of the government's support for the office of companies to acquire its own permanent offices in all the regions of Ghana so as to improve service delivery and ease of doing business. For Joy Business, Mona Lisa Frimpon reporting. And that's it for this segment. Sports is up. Essential vitamins that growing bodies need. So we'll grow healthy and strong. Smart. Absolutely. Kidivite Multivitamin Tonic contains all the essential vitamins and nutrients needed for the healthy development of children from age 1 to 12 years. Also available, Kidivite Multivitamin Drops for babies under 12 months. Grow strong, grow healthy with KittyVite. Distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. Brace yourself for the HD Plus Lead Hers experience. Watch the unique stories of successful women leaders and be inspired for greatness. Join the special guest of honor, Reverend Dr. Joyce Aye, and the keynote speaker, Pan McDonald, along with a panel of inspiring experts. It's on Joy Prime HD on Wednesday, 19 July at 8 p.m. Moderated by Ohinayiru Gifty Auntie, this event will ignite your passion for success. Powered by HD Plus. See it feely feely.
It's time for sports here on Midday with me, Harun Mubarak. Now, the Black Queens will face Benin in the second round of the 2024 Olympic Games qualifiers. This follows their 7-0 aggregate win over Guinea over two legs. Now, despite the emphatic win, head coach Nora Hapto is not getting carried away. She wants more improvement from her side ahead of the game against Benin in October. We leveled up um, in terms to the first game we had away in Guinea. I think we liked that the pitch is rolling uh, much better here, so our possession game was good. Um, our rest defense was perfectly set, so we didn't allow them to enter in counter-attacks. I think we had a big dominance on the pitch. Um, of course, the only thing I can can uh, maybe um, judge is that we should have scored uh, a bit more goals out of all these chances. But all in all, I'm very satisfied, happy that we passed this um, first qualification round um, and we want to aim high. Of course, it's just the first step and the next step in our mission, Volta. I think it's always good to take it step by step. So we passed now the first uh, round and then you're right, it's um, Benin or Guinea-Bissau waiting. We know Benin already from a friendly from February. Of course, we, we then analyze very good opponents and just focus them to take also the next step. We, we said this week we are like a, all in a boat together, our team riding the Mission Volta, and we always need to ensure that we go into the next harbor, so make the next step, and then we can think about the third and fourth uh, ride. Okay? Um, in between is also the WAFCON qualifiers so in September. Um, we go to Rwanda first and, and face them in the Wafcon qualifiers first round. We work a lot on our principles, on our game plan, strategy. We focus a lot on us to strengthen and level up our strengths. Of course, besides, we always um, do a good opponent analysis. Um, we always um, have a high respect of every uh, opponent we face. We try to find their weaknesses, the, the right spaces. Uh, so my, my staff... Um, uh, you, you will see it, we'll make a very good job in, in analyzing also of them, but we work a lot on us, on the focus is on us to level up our players on position, uh, and I think this is the, the main focus. To club football and hearts of folks say they have already paid a portion of the area's old former coach Slavko Matic after FIFA intervened in the matter on Tuesday. The phobians were reported to have been ordered by FIFA to pay the Serbian coach an amount of $50,000 for wrongful termination of his contract back in March this year. But the phobians have clarified the issue in a statement. They said the amount owed Matic is $14,000, a portion of which has been paid to the coach. That's your sports with me, Haruna Mubarak. Up next is World News. love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by march 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly because no matter what moves you made last year TurboTax makes them count that means getting 100 back and 100 accurate taxes only from intuit TurboTax. must file by 331 credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service offer can be modified or terminated at any time 